Welcome to Ecclesia, uh, third week of Advent. Glad that you are joining us on here. We are um, heading towards the uh, the celebration of uh, Christmas, and we are uh, trying to do our best here to, to to recreate a Sunday night service as best we can uh, via this format. So, um, I hope uh, I hope you are coming into tonight ready to. Um, set aside some time and be open to whatever God has for us in this medium and this time. So we are uh, we are in the middle again of the Advent season at Ecclesia. Um, for those of you who don't know who we are, we're a non-denominational uh, congregation that meets in Heisberg, Mississippi. Typically, we'll meet in person on Sunday nights at five thirty. Uh, sorry, at five o'clock at uh, Parkway Heights Methodist Church. We utilize their space, and um, hopefully, we'll be meeting again in person in the new year. But um, Know that you're welcome uh, among us, and if you are looking for some place to uh, to belong uh, as a spiritual community, know that uh, we're here uh, and we're better off with you. And so we hope that you will come back and, and be a part of things. Um, so really, the big announcement we have again is that we're doing our Christmas giving this year, as we do each year, where we ask our folks to consider um, sacrificially giving uh, uh, to something above and beyond. Uh, just the church budget and what we normally need just to keep the lights on and, and keep everything, all of our programs going. Uh, we've typically done things overseas, but this, this year we're going to be helping locally. Um, Edward Street Food uh, Pantry, Edward Street Fellowship Center, their food pantry um, has been doing enormous amount of work during this time of COVID trying to help keep people fed and, and give them everything they need. And so uh, we're going to help them out. So what we're asking for you to do is consider giving a little extra this year. Uh, when you cut a check or when you uh, deliver us some cash or whatever you want to do, make sure you put Christmas offering if you'd like it to go to the Edward Street uh, Food Pantry. And uh, we're also going to try and utilize some other grants that are available right now to try and uh, multiply our impact with the money that we can raise. So hopefully we'll be able to do a whole lot for them uh, this Christmas because they've done a whole lot for this community during this time. All right. Well, um, 
we're going to have our uh, Advent reading, have our special song um, again, as we did last week. Um, and so we're, uh, we're excited about it. And um, all right, I look forward to seeing you again in a few minutes. The third candle of Advent is the joy candle. This pink candle represents the joy of anticipating the arrival of the Christ child. As we light this candle, we are reminded that although our Savior arrives in ways that are small and unexpected, the light is still among us. We are filled with joy as we turn our eyes towards a small light which illuminates everything, including our own darkness. Let us pray together. Come, O Holy One, breaker of chains and renewer of life. Open our eyes to your presence in all the earth. Stir us to proclaim gladly the signs of your love, the liberation of those oppressed, the healing of those frail and broken, springs of water in all the parched places, and Jesus Christ, risen and alive, through whom we pray. Amen. Hi, Ecclesia Hattiesburg. It's Sharon, and it is week two of Advent. We are so excited to share another mashup with you today that is near and dear to our hearts. Okay, so the story behind this song is I was coming back from Thanksgiving one year, and I'm listening to this random Christmas compilation CD and this one song comes on and it takes my breath away. I move to joy and tears all in the same moment. Um, that song is What Child Is This and Tis So Sweet. As I've reflected this week about what was so important about it, like what stood out in that moment and why the song is still so significant today, I think the song is genuinely reflective of our relationship with Christ. Um, as children, you're gifted this childlike faith from your parents, and then that relationship, that introduction, grows into maturity. And if you're anything like me, um, sometimes you feel closer to God and sometimes you feel further away. Um, but as I've matured, what I've learned is, regardless of how I feel or regardless of where I am, that distance doesn't mean that the love isn't present. It doesn't mean that um, I don't seek God or God doesn't seek me. And sometimes you pick songs and sometimes songs are gifted to you. And I do feel like this song was genuinely a gift to us because it caught my attention. It brought random joy. And I really do feel like that's so much of how God works. It's an unexpected path, something that you weren't looking for that grabs your attention just to say, I'm still with you. Let's laugh together. Let's cry together. Let's be together. So we say to you this week, trust the process. Um, be appreciative of the little things that have caught your attention that brought you joy in the least expected places. Uh, we miss you. We love you. Joy is just around the corner.
That is my favorite uh, song the band does in mashup. Uh, it's, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I won't replay the song again at the end like I did last week, which made for a very long service. But um, I go back and listen again, and that's that's such a great, uh, it's such a great song. It's such a great um, arrangement by the band. So we're thankful for them. All right, um, we are in the third week of Advent. Um, 
I'll be honest with you. I, uh, I need some, I need some good news, some Advent news. This has been a week. Uh, and, uh, we are, our family's in the midst of having a stomach bug that is running ramshod through all of us. And, uh, and so, uh, honestly, this may be a very quick sermon depending on how I'm feeling. So, uh, let me go ahead and read to you, uh, both the gospel passage and, um, the Old Testament passage for this week, because I, I like both of them so much, and I think they fit well together, and uh, and we'll have what is probably going to be a pretty short sermon um, after that. But let me read that to you, uh, John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and 19 through 28, and then Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4, says this, for there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe in him. He himself was not the light but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed, and he did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. When they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, quote, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. But now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you were neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across from the Jordan where John was baptizing. In Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4, the prophet says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities the devastations of many generations. So this third week of Advent uh, is always set aside for the person of uh, John the Baptist and to the task of witnessing to the light. Um, now I know for many of you, like for me, the term witnessing may bring a cold shiver down the back of your spine. Uh, perhaps you're uh, reminded of those who have knocked on your door uninvited um, while you hid around the corner pretending not to be home. Um, maybe you come from a tradition that sent you out knocking. Uh, maybe you were the one ringing the doorbell and trying to start a conversation with someone who didn't ask you for one. And maybe the PTSD from that experience is still very real. I mean, broadly speaking, my job is to publicly witness to other people on a weekly basis, at least, right? To spend some time each week trying to point others to the good news of God's incarnate love. And yet, Still, even for me, who's uh, professionally supposed to be doing this on some level, although that term professional is highly debatable, um, this term witnessing still carries so much baggage, right? It conjures these feelings of like 
manipulation or inauthenticity or having to pretend that I know things that I don't know either about God or about the person in front of me. Um, it has this baggage of, of, of kind of smacking of maybe arrogance or presumptuousness. Um, especially when I consider how I was taught to quote unquote witness, right? Um, and honestly felt as though it was often more about me than it was about the person in front of me or, or even about God, honestly. So I get it. I get it if that word of witness gives you the heebie jeebies. It does for me too. But no matter our level with the comfort uh, that we have with this term um, or how it is often misrepresented or defined or enacted in ways that are good, bad, or ugly. Uh, the plain truth is that we are to be witnesses to the light. We are to be pointing each other towards that light that cannot be overcome even in the darkest of moments, right? We are witnesses to the light. And this may give you pause for a couple reasons. Maybe you don't feel like you have enough answers to be a witness. Maybe you feel like uh, you are not uh, morally superior enough uh, to bear witness or, or talented enough or whatever, fill in the blank, whatever that thing that comes in your head that says, no, no, not you, not you, you're not the witness. But I would argue that's not the case. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be the person who has everything in your life together all the time. You don't have to be the perfect moral example for everyone who crosses your path. In fact, it might be worth taking a look at these passages and reminding ourselves who all this good news is really for. Who are the ones that ultimately end up being able to bear witness to this good news, right? Because the good news um, is a lot like the Christmas kind of uh, story in Christmas season, right? It conjures images that tend to float a few feet off the ground instead of being uh, in the dirt. <laughs> Right, Christmas conjures images of uh, Norman Rockwell paintings and snow-covered fields and large families and presents by the fireplace and Santa Claus and all these things that are supposed to, we want so bad to have kind of work perfect during this year. And the good news and uh, its witnesses also make us think of the, I don't know, buttoned down and, and uh, put together, uh, the wise, the neat, the tidy, and the confident, um, the people who know the answers to it all and are ready to give those answers anytime they can. And these images are why um, so many of us feel disconnected from both those realities, right? That's why so many people feel so terrible during the holiday season is because life just doesn't look like a Norman Rockwell painting for most of us. And why so many of us feel divorced from the idea of bearing witness to the light and being one of those witnesses because we don't feel like we fit that mold. We don't feel like, um, we float off the ground the way those images often do for us. But in this Advent season, and considering these verses we just read, which I hope you'll revisit on your own this week, we must remember that the good news is not for those who float above the earth. It's not for those who have it all together. It's not for those who are immaculate and perfect and have all the answers. And very specifically, uh, particularly in Isaiah, you, you get a list, right? This Advent, we must remember the good news. Uh, and, and, and this is an important text. It's not just a random place pulled out of Isaiah. Remember, this is Jesus' first sermon in Luke. When, when he is asked to get up in front of the synagogue and teach, he rolls open the scroll to this place and reads these passages 
and then shuts it down. That's a sermon. I mean, there's, there's a lot of heft here. But we must remember that the good news is for um, those who are oppressed, uh, those who are losing within the systems that we have created, right? The good news is those for those who are brokenhearted and those who are desperate, for those who are bound up and, and imprisoned in whatever way they're imprisoned and, and feel anything but free, right? The good news is for those who can never pay back what they owe. The good news is for those who are uh, faint in spirit and covered in sackcloth and ashes, right? And the witnesses to that good news, the witness to that good news is, is the, the, the crazy bug eaters uh, who are living in the desert <laughs> and the, the weirdos, right? Those who aren't qualified to even tie the sandals of the source of what the, where the good news comes from, right? This season is not for the perfected, for the ones who um, know all the answers and therefore are qualified to truly bear witness to it. This season and this act of bearing witness to the light is for those who have been changed by it. It is for those who have been in the darkness and seen the light. And that is a motley crew indeed. If you read your scriptures and you read about your disciples and apostles and those who are writing the, the New Testament and the Old Testament um, prophets and characters, I mean, that, that, is, that, is a, that is a motley crew. That is not an all-star cast. And let's be honest, take a good look around right now. Uh, life is a mess right now, right? This, this place is a mess. And I don't just mean my office. It's a mess too, but. And I, like you, am tempted um, to try and follow the Hallmark Channel instead of Scripture, right? I'm tempted to feel like somehow I'm not really experiencing this season or the light it calls forward because my life does not even resemble what I'd prefer it to look like right now or, you know, how I'd like to put it on Facebook and Instagram and portray it to the world. What I'd want everyone to, I'd prefer everyone to think about me in my life right now. Life just doesn't look like that right now. This This week was a doozy in the Dixon house. Um, literally every day, something unforeseen and really bad that totally changed the day happened. Whether, whether it's something minor is just the car not starting and having to get it fixed and missing work uh, all morning trying to get that together. Or literally our garage door just snapped in half and then fell on top of one of our cars, which was awesome. Um, uh, Sarah ended up with a kidney infection that took her out for a couple days. And then, um, we uh, we're now got the stomach bug that's just running through the house. And um, we found out, um, which we were never hoping to, but found out that a baby can, can vomit a solid six feet um, in the right situation, uh, which is not a science experiment we cared to do. And, and, and a six-year-old can do pretty well too. And, and, uh, and it feels like maybe it's getting ready to, to come for the rest of us right now. So this was a very anti-Rockwell painting. Kind of, there's no painting that Norman Rockwell could have done in the Dixon family this week that anyone would want to hang on their wall um, or that you'd even be allowed to sell in a store, right? It, um, and that's just, a, and none of those are big catastrophic things compared to what the rest other people that I know are dealing with right now. Um, but it's, it's one of those times, one of those moments, not for the Dixon family specifically, but for all of us that can feel unrelenting and just dark. A lot of you are sad right now. And I get it. Um, I am too on some days. Um, it's hard. Um, 
feels unrelenting. It feels dark. In other words, it is exactly the kind of time and place where we need the light, the light that can't be overcome by the darkness. It is exactly the kind of time and place that cries out for some good news. In other words, it is exactly the kind of place for the Advent message. We're where we're supposed to be right now. This is a better picture of Advent than any Hallmark movie I know about. Right. So don't fight it. Um, don't let yourself be convinced that you are missing something about this season because things are hard and sad and dark. Let's just own the mess that is this, this year and this time of year right now. Just own it. Own it. Be here. Open your eyes and open your heart to what God is going to do in the dark. Right. This season is a celebration of a God who is present in the mess and who rescues those who need redeeming. The good news is for those who are mourning and broken and imprisoned and in the dark. And it is proclaimed by bug-eating weirdos. Let us not forget that. This is a celebration again, uh, at this time of year, it's a celebration of the God who is most present in our, our times of difficulty and darkness. And it is a call for the weirdest and most unlikely witnesses to step forward and point, however faintly it might appear, to the light that cannot be overcome. Let us rest in that good news this Advent season. Peace be with you.